Such a good word from Pastor Jordan. Thank you. Thank you for that beatitude. Uh, today, I'll uh, both be reading scripture and uh, getting the honor to preach the homily today. So uh, let's jump in. It's, uh, we're still in our study of Acts, Acts 10, verses 1 through 23 today. Hear the word of the Lord. There was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion in the Italian company. He and his whole household were pious, Gentile God-worshippers. He gave generously to those in need among the Jewish people and prayed to God constantly. One day at nearly three o'clock in the afternoon, he clearly saw an angel from God in a vision. The, The angel came to him and said, Cornelius. Startled, he stared at the angel and replied, What is it, Lord? The angel said, Your prayers and your compassionate acts are like a memorial offering to God. Send messengers to Joppa at once and summon a certain Simon, the one known as Peter. He is a guest in, of Simon the Tanner, whose house is near the seacoast. When the angel who was speaking to him had gone, Cornelius summoned two of his household servants along with a pious soldier from his personal staff. He explained everything to them, then sent them to Joppa. At noon, on the following day, as their journey brought them close to the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted to eat. While others were preparing the meal, he had a visionary experience. He saw heaven opened up and something like a large linen sheet being lowered to the earth by its four corners. Inside the sheet were all kinds of four-legged animals, reptiles, and wild birds. A voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter exclaimed, absolutely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke a second time. Never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happened three times. Then the object was suddenly pulled back into heaven. Peter was bewildered about the meaning of the vision. And just then, the messengers sent by Cornelius discovered the whereabouts of Simon's house and arrived at the gate. Calling out, they inquired whether Simon, known as Peter, was a guest there. While Peter was brooding over the vision... The spirit interrupted him. Look, three people are looking for you. Go downstairs. Don't ask questions. Just go with them because I have sent them. So Peter went downstairs and told them, I'm the one you are looking for. Why have you come? They replied, we've come on behalf of Cornelius, a centurion and righteous man, a God worshiper who is well respected by all Jewish people. A holy angel directed him to summon you to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them into the house as his guests. The word of the Lord. When I was 19, um, my folks uh, hit a rough patch in their marriage. Uh, Their struggles would go on for years and I felt quite hurt and angry about that, uh, and I remember many times just laying into my parents about their decisions and them responding to me, we know you are angry, but no matter what, we are your parents, your mom and your dad. I hated that line. 
I didn't have any time for no matter what. I knew that things were broken and I was just ready to break from my family. So my friends left Ventura, California to attend Seattle Pacific University in, in 2004. And I would, I would graduate from there. I would get married, buy a house, go to seminary, have kids, all the things. And all the while, I would be living with this thorn in my side about my family. And a, and a few years back, uh, when I joined uh, the pastoral ministry, I had this sudden recognition that I missed my family. And so I remember taking a drive by myself to Snoqualmie Falls and hiking down to the bottom, perhaps a very symbolic hike. And from there, I would call my parents and I would tell them how much I missed them. And they listened to me as I laid out my hurts and my realizations, my longings for them and longing to be family again. And I'll never forget what they said. They said, we know. We've been telling you all along. We are your parents, and we will always be your family. Even after all those years and trials and tribulations, the one thing I truly needed remained in my family. Relationship. Relationships. There are so many directions that these 23 verses in Acts 10 could go. But the simple gospel, a theme that Pastor Scott drew out of Acts 9 last week, pulls our eyes and our hearts to the simple yet challenging theme of this text. That God is calling us to enter into new relationships even though there is so much revealing happening in this text. Uh, uh, an angel uh, is revealed to Cornelius. A vision is given to Peter. Uh, uh, the revelation that all are to be considered clean. It seems clear, though, that relationship is the primary revelation in this text. I think that this revelation is something that we need to hear right now in 2020 to get a vision of the future that God is constructing for us. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I pray that by, uh, by your son, Jesus Christ, you would send your spirit into us and to all listening to open up our hearts to this simple yet challenging message of new relationships. Father God, you, your son transgressed all boundaries to get to us. Would you help us do likewise, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with Cornelius. Cornelius, the one who lives out the love relationship that he wants with God. You see, Cornelius was a person of power and position. He was a soldier in the Roman army, wealthy with people at his command, was respected in the community. He had status. He seemed to have it all. In many ways, Cornelius represents the base desires we have in ourselves. Who doesn't want these things? Scripture depicts these things as our greatest temptations, though. 
that which woos us to the ways of the world, in, woos us into being selfish and to be using people rather than being selfless and serving people. Yet, Cornelius seems to have both. He has position, he has power, he has status, and he has relationship with the people that he serves. And there's even an analogy in the text where God sends an angel to search out Cornelius, and in the same way, Cornelius sends servants to go and search out Peter. Analogous power. What are we to make of Cornelius, this this ideal person? Well, I I think it's this, that even the powerful are subject to longing and hunger. And if they hunger for God, then God will feed them. Consider this, Cornelius was a non-Jewish man worshiping a Jewish God, Yahweh. In that space and time, race and God were closely tied. Yahweh was the God of the Jews, not the Gentiles, or so thought. Yet Cornelius longed for a relationship with this God. His generosity, his worship, his prayers were directed to this God. He hungered to know and to be known by. His power had become secondary to him just a means to a relationship with this God and to his people. And yet, we have to assume that up to this point, Cornelius had not yet been spoken to by this God. Feels a little one way, doesn't it? But Cornelius was not deterred. He lives out the relationship he wants with this God He does not let power go to his head, racial division deter him, or the shoulds of the day stop him. He leans into the hunger he feels. He doesn't drive it out. He lets it drive him instead. And that is what invites and opens up Cornelius to the visitation from God that day. God establishing a connection, God establishing a new relationship. God feeds Cornelius, who hungered for a relationship with God even before he had it. How you respond to the longings in your heart will shape the relationships you have around you. It's like in my marriage. A few years ago, we hit our own rough spot. And it was the advice of a friend that helped turn things around for me. He told me, act out the love you want in your marriage, and eventually you'll have it. I hungered for love and understanding as we once had, but I was being shown that I needed to love the new person who was right before me. And I needed to to reveal the new person that I was becoming too vulnerability, acting out the love I wanted before I felt it was one of the best pieces of advice I had received. And this is what Cornelius does too. What's that song? You love that love and fear. (laughs) 
Even if you've lost that love and feeling, man, know that God hasn't. God loves you and he invites you. He, he lives that out. He's waiting for you to receive it and act likewise. Know that God wants to be in a relationship with you. So while Cornelius' servants are on their way to find Peter, Peter is sitting on the rooftop praying. Not just any rooftop. He's sitting on the rooftop of a tanner. A tanner is one who would dry out hides of animals, even unclean animals, which would make the tanner themselves ritually unclean. Staying there would make Peter unclean too. So why is Peter staying with a tanner? I think it reveals the socioeconomic status of the disciples at that time. Peter was so desperate for a safe and low-class place to stay that he would make himself ritually unclean doing so. And it is through these desperate times that Peter would make a friend that he would not otherwise. Peter, while there though, he blesses this home, as was the custom of the disciples when they went out. But Simon gives Peter a blessing too. He doesn't know he does, and Peter doesn't quite know what it is either, but he's about to find out. So Peter, upstairs now praying, perhaps praying, asking for forgiveness for being unclean, that's when the hunger pangs hit. He wanted to eat something. He longed for food. But instead of seeking out food, he remains in prayer for a different sort of nourishment. And that's when the vision comes. And it's a vision of this sheet being lowered over the earth. And the the language is like it's being laid over the entire earth by all four corners. And on it, he sees all manners of animals, clean and unclean. And then he hears a voice, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Peter retorts and says, absolutely not, Lord. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice comes again, never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happens three times. Sheet is lifted, the vision ends. Perhaps God uses the fact that Peter is staying at a tanner's house to reveal to him that none are unclean. Perhaps to bring clarity to Jesus' words Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. Instead of rebuking his actions, God relieves Peter and reveals to him his true desire for his people Israel, a new relationship with those once considered unclean, outsiders, dangerous. Blessed are those who are clean of heart, for they will see God in one another. In this way, Simon bestows upon Peter a greater blessing than Peter bestows upon him. For you see, the phrase, get up, Peter, kill and eat, should not be read through our Western lenses, which seek to individualize the word, 
which seek to control, which seek to dominate. We read it like God is giving Peter a free pass to a worldwide buffet. Go ahead, Peter, pick any which one you want, as though Peter was going to become the first Jewish foodie. Or worse, we read it like the whole world has been given into our hands. Manifest destiny. No. Let's read it through the lens of that time, which would bring us to a Jewish understanding of the relationship with their animals. You see, animals were ex- an extension of the family. Looking at an animal was like, like looking at a family member. So to kill and eat was, was no small matter. One would need to gain permission to kill and eat an animal, which was in turn gaining permission to live. Permission to live physically, but also to live among those who gave you the permission, really an invitation to become like family. The lowered sheet with animals is God's permission. And the kill and eat is the invitation to join them, to become like family to the Gentiles. The word God gives to Peter is not a consumptive word. It is a communal word a communal word for the Israelite family to join the Gentile family through a feast. And what would be the food? Nothing less than the body and blood of Christ himself. Come on. He has made his body and blood available to unite us together by literally making us into a new people. We will no longer be divided but united, one in Christian identity, diverse in our personhood, just like the Godhead, one in substance, in three persons. The time in history where we, the, the, Christian, uh, the, the Christian Jewish impact has been the greatest. God's manifestation through his people is when his people were united, the exodus, Pentecost, in Cornelius' house where Jew and Gentiles come in one spirit, Azusa Street, St. Luke's in Seattle, and maybe today, maybe through Bethany Community Church, the spirit may fall upon us. We may see ourselves and our brothers and sisters in Christ because we all eat the same body and blood that was broken and shed for us. Amen? Know that God's vision of the future is constructed in us through the relationships we nurture. It's like a parable. The kingdom of of God is like the sum of your loving relationships. May the kingdom break forth in you as you step into this simple yet challenging task of relationships. Perhaps today in the coffee houses, you can consider these questions. Is there someone you need to make amends with? Is there someone you've known for a while that you need to rediscover and see how they've changed? Is there someone God wants you to reach out to, to share the gospel with? 
friends, God is calling all families of the earth to become new wineskins, to receive new wine. And what is the new wine? It's the Holy Spirit filling us with the truth and reality of God that none are unclean and none are impure, but all are family. The new wine is the Spirit in us speaking to us directing us to open the doors of our hearts like Peter opened the door to Simon's house to let in the dangerous people. Are there dangerous people that that challenge your ideals? Perhaps it's family, friends, hurt you, those who you're close with that you have difference of opinion with, perhaps someone that God is just tapping you on the shoulder that you met one time saying, reach out. Don't let the dangers that you perceive of people determine what you do. Let the Spirit of God call you into relationships so that you may construct and be a part of building up the kingdom of God in this time. So as the band comes back forward, I'd like to make a final observation in the text that'll that'll help you know that it's never too late to restore a relationship. You see, Peter received his vision at noon, and Cornelius received his visitation at 3 p.m. Between noon and 3 p.m. were Jesus' final hours on the cross where he met and forgave a criminal of his sins. Even in his final moments, Jesus makes a new relationship with a criminal. We are called to hang up our hang-ups about others and enter the new relationships that the Spirit is drawing us into. It is never too late to restore a broken relationship like God shared with me about my family. And if you, today watching, don't yet have a relationship with Jesus, I invite you now Invite Jesus into your heart, simple as, Jesus, I surrender to you. I want to be in a loving relationship with you. Walk with me. Invite the Lord into your heart today. And to kind of signify that, today I'm going to lead you in virtual communion at the end of our time. You may have seen this in our e-news. So I would invite you now to... Uh, uh, go to your kitchen, get any common cracker uh, or juice. I mean, we're talking about new wine today, so maybe some wine in the morning, no big deal. Let's just, together, we will have the elements and believing that the Spirit of God is imbuing them with the power of God, and we will receive together. So come, let us worship together, singing together. Amen? Amen.
morning. I only, uh, we want to keep these services uh, a little tight uh, because we want to leave space and room for you to join a coffee house afterwards. And this fall, join a, join a house church. We want to allow you to engage with what's happening here. So I only preached on the first half of Acts 10. I'm going to preach on the second half and post it in our e-news this week. So again, join our e-news uh, and look for that second half of Acts 10, where I'm talking about how Jesus and subsequently Peter cross all boundaries, all norms to communicate the gospel truth. So today, uh, hope you have your uh, communion with you. For on the night that Jesus was betrayed, gathered with his disciples for a Passover meal, he took the bread. And upon breaking it, he said almost cryptically, this is my body broken for you as often as you eat of it. Remember me. So the body of Christ broken for you. Let's receive. And in like manner, later in the meal, he took the cup and blessing it, he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant that would be defined in my body. As often as you drink of it, remember me. So the blood of Christ shed for you. Let's receive. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's crucifixion until his, until his coming. A crucifixion that we take on even as we seek new relationships. So friends, let me give you this blessing. Go in the simple gospel, the spirit of the simple gospel, the spirit upon you filling you to take you into new relationships ones that will bring the kingdom forth in others and yourself. So go without fear, knowing God is with you. God bless you.